darken your clothes or strike a violent pose. This week on My Taste of Music is Terrible, we rank the My Chemical Romance discography. Actually, don't really have a good answer for this question. Um, I can't think of a specific time where I was like, "Oh yeah, my Chemical Romance." It probably was in high school at some point when somebody was playing any of the songs from 
Black Parade or from uh, Revenge, I I can't like I said I can't think of a time I didn't listen on my own to a lot of secular music growing up in high school. Like I I guarantee you, if I had asked my parents if I could go buy the newest My Chemical Romance album. My mom would have maybe said a prayer for me or something like that, <laughs> and then said no. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I can't really think of a time, but I like when I listen to some of those like more uh, well-known songs. I definitely go, yeah, I've known this song for forever. So <clears throat> they've just always been there. TK. My first exposure to My Chemical Romance was, it would have been 2005. My sister and I would come home from school before our parents were home and we'd watch MTV. We'd sneak watch MTV. And we were not allowed to watch that. And the music video for I'm Not Okay was on. And instantly I was like, I'm in. <laughs> it's so good. I still watch it today and I'm like, this holds up. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Agreed. <clears throat> I think my my first exposure I can't pinpoint a time, but would probably probably have to be around two thousand four two thousand five. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a couple I had a couple older brothers that were in high school at the time, and my oldest brother had the typical high school band, but they were good. And they, oh, were playing, nice. they were playing all of the good hits back then. They were playing like Blink One Eighty Two, Sum Forty One. I don't remember them playing anything like My Comfort <laughs> Romance. They weren't that angsty, <laughs> um, but it had to have been around that time that constantly what was on in, in our basement on the TV was like Fuse, mm-hmm. you know, MTV, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we, constantly just music videos playing through Fuse, um, and that that had to have been my first experience with it, and to the point where I was. The weird, like, eight-year-old listening to My Couple Romance. <laughs> I would be the flip- awesome eight-year-old. Yeah, yeah, flipping through. But to the point where I was pumped and ready with my actual daily countdown for the Black Parade to come out. Mm. So you know, I was. It, it it was it was a ways before the Black Parade that I started listening to them. That's awesome. That's nice. cool, dude. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I could relate to you that like. I grew up in a Christian home in the middle of nowhere in North Dakota, and so I had to like sneak, like listen to like all my emo music mm-hmm. uh, on Pandora, mm-hmm. and so my dad caught me listening to uh, Bring Me the Horizon one time, mm-hmm. and he's like, what the heck is that? Pull out your earbuds, give me them. And I was like, oh goodness. And I played Shadows Moses, and he's like, that is devil's music. And I was like, ah, dad, uh, no. There's Christian bands out there like this, I promise. <laughs> but like just on my endeavor of going through emo music, I stumbled upon Black Parade, like that classic Gino. Was, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Gino. So and that was probably like 2013, 12. Nice. Yeah. I could be butchering this. So, so many years that you missed. <laughs> yeah, I got into the emo scene really late, really late in my life. You say late in your life, like you're really, really old. He's seen some stuff. He's seen it all. Yes. Do not ask him about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
My first exposure is, I, I also would say it's hard to pin down like a moment, but I'm pretty sure it was like a family friend of ours. Um, like our, my family was friends with his family. Um, his name was Tyler and he was listening to Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. And I distinctly remember the first song he showed me being, um, you know what they do to guys like us in prison. That like intro where he's talking about like in the middle of a gunfight in front of a restaurant. I like remember that for some reason that that was like the first time I heard them. Um, <clears throat> but I didn't really get into them at that point until um, like 07 probably um, when I listened to the Black Parade. Um, I do remember in 07 I was 13 and I was watching the music video for Welcome to the Black Parade and on my computer and my mom came out and was like, what is that? <laughs> and like made me turn it off. <laughs> um, so, which is, which is, I mean, I was like raised in a Christian household, but it, I was never like, you can't listen to secular music or anything like that. Um, I think it was just like the, the scenery that freaked her out. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Jono. Uh, very similar. Raised in a Christian home. Was told not to listen to secular music. Eventually, I convinced my parents that Coldplay was okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's you rebel, <laughs> dirty rotten church kids, dude. Some of the later songs are explicit though, so I, I feel very vindicated. Do you know what else is yellow? <laughs> the devil. Pete. <laughs> I don't know, um, but I think I I can't really pinpoint a time or a year really. I, I heard Black Parade, and that was really the only one until a few years ago when I heard Teenagers, because there was a guy on YouTube that did a guitar cover of it, and I really liked what he did on that song, mm. and um, he was super emo looking, but I didn't really like listen to them after that for some reason, and then last year, friend Tanner here was like, you should just listen to the whole Black Parade album, and I was like, huh, I've never done that before. What happened? I remember yeah, this. Dudes. You were at my house, mm -hmm. and I put the record of the Black Parade oh, on, yeah, and right. you were like, what is this? Right, it was... And I was like, are you song. kidding me? <laughs> right. Yeah, it was the <clears throat> end, um, first song, the Black Parade, I was like, wow, this is awesome. So I listened to it the rest, uh, rest of the album, I think the next day, and then again, and then again, and then again. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, more on that whole thing. There was definitely like this emo group in the Christian school that I went to that like <laughs> they I know it sounds dumb, but they were like the they were all dyeing their hair and wearing the heavy makeup, even a couple of the dudes eyeliner on and like they were the rebels Whoa. at the Christian school for sure. Yeah. Um, I wish I had and people like that. <laughs> <laughs> and actually the guy that I'm thinking of specifically, he's my stepdaughter's real dad. So I, he's still mm. very much in my life. <laughs> <laughs> does, he, does he still wear the eyeliner? No. Is he the one that got Pete Wentz's bass yes. for his birthday? Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, there was a very very emo group of kids, and so I definitely like. I know that it wasn't just oh I heard them once. I, they were definitely around in that time when I was listening or like in high school and hanging out with those kids and stuff. But mm -hmm. yeah. Me and my buddy dressed up as Black Veil Brides, as Andy oh. Beersack, and some other guy in the band that I cannot forget his name. I forget his name. <laughs> but everyone at school, uh, 
was like petrified of how we looked. <laughs> <laughs> Which me and a buddy were just like dressed up as Black Bell Brides, the worst band right. in the scene at the time. But I loved them. <laughs> but there's this one girl that was losing her mind over this. And she was in this like peanut butter and jelly costume, just taking this like fangirl photo of just us in poorly done makeup. So, I mean, there was one other kid in the school that was emo. But, and then I had like, made my buddy do it with me because I didn't want to be a weirdo. But yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I wish there was more. Right, right. To sympathize with me, yeah. <clears throat> I always feel like their aesthetic is very much like Motley Crue. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. Motley yeah. Crue yeah. Kiss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. same kind of vibe. They were on the serial killer wall for a little bit. They were. I'm really disappointed in you that it's not there anymore. But I was really hoping to show up today and see Divergent Ideologies on the wall. The fake band we made up. No, they're not fake. What are you talking about? It's crazy. They fit in with his whole serial killer wall. It's great. Right. It was like... Uh, so funny. Uh, it was like this improv that we all just believed by the time it was over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we all lived in a reality where the, we actually... Believed, you say believed past tense. <laughs> well, I haven't thought about them in a little while. Oh, but... Yeah. Oh, they're, you better start thinking. They're, they're like Tinkerbell. They're, you have I to mean, believe in them more. They're Gerard weighing on my heart right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll get into ranking then. Yeah, let's do uh, it. So I had a really hard time ranking these albums. Um... It was really fun to dive in uh, into My Chemical Match because I, I I really didn't listen to them a whole bunch. I know like the the core songs that kind of everybody knows. I mean, the Black Parade album was a triple platinum album. So like even people who don't listen to emo music or any kind of anything similar, they've heard some of those songs. It's a triple platinum album. I mean, it just is a big deal. Um, so. But yeah, it was fun to dive in and see why MCR had become such a big deal, and uh, and uh, yeah, it was neat. So um, yeah, my number four album, like I said, I had a very hard time ranking these. Uh, my number four album is Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Wow. And I thought that that might be the reaction. Uh, get out. I was <laughs> I was actually surprised by this. Uh, <laughs> The last, the last few times that we've ranked albums, I've kind of ranked them as I listen to them. This time, I listened to them all as a whole. I gave all my notes, and then I w- and then I went through and I was like, this one's number one. This one, and I was like, wow, number four. That's it surprised <coughs> me, but uh, I so yeah, I'm not okay. It's I think it's a, a masterpiece of a song. It's really interesting how it's kind of sounds upbeat, but at the same time. It's exactly not, I, and, and that is the whole point of the song, and I, I think that that's uh, really cool. The first song, Helena, is absolutely beautiful. Um, I think that, and, and as much as I'm, a, I'm probably going to say emo a bunch, and I recognize that Gerard Way says that they're not an emo band. It's because they're not an emo band. But, and, but Also, I, me, every day of my life. Yes. I know that I will say emo a lot, and I'm sorry that that might ruffle feathers or whatever. But anyway, I do think that... I'm a purist. The, the <laughs> song Helena is true emo in the way that TK describes it. Because TK describes emo as music that uh, makes you feel something without telling you what feeling to feel. 
Mm. So like if a song mm-hmm. is sad, it makes you feel sad, but it's not going to tell you that it should feel sad. It's not going to say sad in the song or depressed or any of those things. And Helena is, he's mourning his grandmother and mm-hmm. you very much feel that pain in that song, but he never once says that he's sad or any of those things. And I, I thought that was really interesting. Um, I, ju- just to, I think I would agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, even though like they don't have a lot of the staples of like the emo music genre yeah like i think that that part of it you're right about and so like i actually have this in my notes i'm going to just skip this when i get to my turn but um i would like they're not an emo band but i would consider them an honorable mention in like the emo category just because of what you're describing as well as their popularity within like that culture like yeah. the the like 2000s like emo kids wear black culture like they were a huge part of that yeah tk is like about to have He's a break <laughs> <laughs> i'm fine i'm good i'm fine <laughs> this is why we do this yeah. Uh, <laughs> um yeah so also i noticed that this album so i mean i listened to them in chronological order first and then i kind of listened to all over and then I, when I was going back through them, I realized kind of for the first time that I, the background vocals are really well mixed throughout the discography, and but I noticed it with this album. The harmonies are very tasteful. Um, they're not overpowering. They're not distracting. We've talked about that in other bands that we've uh, ranked. Super uh, shit. <coughs> the, the, they, they did a really good job, I think, with that. Um, this album has a more refined sound than the first album, but you still see some of the heavier, darker subject matter in the lyrics. Uh, he's in, in, in really all of the albums, uh, some more than others, he wrestles with really heavy things. And uh, so you still see that in this one. Um, like I said, I was kind of surprised this is my number four. Um, I, I really like this album still. So it's not saying this is a bad album, it just is my number four album. Right. So, that's how I feel about that. TK, you're up. <clears throat> okay, so my number four uh, is Doom Days. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> um, and I call it Doom Days because I don't care enough to learn the right name. Oh it's called gosh. Danger Days, oh. The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys. So, here's the deal. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen that movie Detective Pikachu? Yeah, no, no, I didn't because yeah, so I did not want to see it. This is the soundtrack to Detective Pikachu. You you bring down the okay, so for listeners at home I, the gloves are coming out here. I already. am an emo <laughs> connoisseur. Uh, that's code so, for he's the gatekeeper of emo music. Yeah, I'm <laughs> a giant, I'm a giant toxic gatekeeper. <laughs> it's, it's really what I am. Uh, we kid, but it's true. Um, and no, I, I, I actually really, really so like as a genre, like the history of it is incredibly interesting. I love the bands that have like been parallel to it. I do think My Chemical Romance is an emo, emo adjacent band. Um. But I think uh, Danger Days, okay, so why did I not like it as much? Uh, 
instrumentation amazing mm-hmm. L- lyrics and themes amazing um scope and vision of the album storytelling amazing i just wasn't that into it like it's it's not a bad album i think it's an incredibly well put together thing um i, I just was kind of like eh. mm-hmm. um maybe i need to spend more time with it because i had never heard a single song off of it ever and there's like a few songs on it I, I've never heard that one. Huh. Um, I did hear the Super Chick. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> what? The su- Super Chick song is nah, nah. Totally oh. Different. <laughs> totally, totally different. Dude, there's two less nahs. <laughs> there's like, well, if you count the parentheses, there's like eight less nahs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true. I forgot about the parentheses. No, um, so, yeah, I just, I, you know, it, it was kind of an album that just happened to me, and then I was like, "Huh? Didn't you? I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we we chatted briefly about this the other day, and I think you told me you fell asleep the first time you were listening to it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. <clears throat> Care to elaborate? Yeah, I put it on. I was bored, and then I fell asleep. <laughs> Um, I'm coming out of the gate super sassy. I'm about to completely change my tone in just a few minutes. <laughs> cool. Um, you know, it was it was tough for me because I was teeter tottering between two different albums mm. on which one was worse, and I say worse on purpose. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Number four for me is. I brought you my bullets. She brought me love. Oh, that's number four. Yeah, and I was I, I agree with you on a lot of things. Uh, on Danger Days, um, I I think that well, I won't talk about it too much. We'll get into it. Um, what I will say about album number one, two thousand two. I think they were trying to figure out who they were. I think they were trying to prove that they can make music. And I think it, the whole album was super sloppy. I, I think they did a good job of like helping them to, to, to get to where they are. I think what it is is it's My Chemical Romance with puberty sprinkled in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know they weren't that young, obviously, but but it was too sloppy for me. I even not just with the recording. And I know some like 2002 sloppy was a vibe. They like it. You know what I mean? Like there was so much of that going on in music. And that was cool, because it was cool not to be clean cut in that mm-hmm. regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think l- <clears throat> listening through the whole album, there reaches a point where you just get too much sorrow and too much bullets, too much death, mm. you know. And it, I think they started out very emo. I think they transitioned out of emo, but I think album number one was very emo. <laughs> so, Hard agree. Yeah. Ooh. So. That's that's my number four. I think they were the epitome of teenage angst. Mm. Mm. I like how this has gone so far. Yeah, I'm, just, yeah, I'm like surprised it's so different. Here. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'm digging this. I'm excited to talk about that album yeah. because I actually really really agree. I wrote down the main ingredients for each album. The main oh. ingredients for this one oh, are pain and sorrow. Pain and sorrow. Pain and, pain and sorrow, sorrow. Yeah. with a dash of puberty. With a dash of puberty. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All about bullets dying in suicide. <clears throat> That's really what it is. And so, yeah. 
out right. of four. I'm not saying it was bad. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it was the worst one out of the four. Mm-hmm. Okay. Corbin. I'm a, yeah, so I would agree with you, Tanner. Hackler. The, Tanner, the, the, the new and improved Tanner, Tanner age. <laughs> Blonde Tanner. Blonde <laughs> slash ginger beard Tanner. Hackler. The, the hot Tanner. Tanner. <laughs> Sometimes I'm, I have a microphone that I'm talking to the internet in front of, and then I just say really horrible things. Yeah, that's that's all right. Yeah, I would. Yeah, no, I would agree, but for different reasons. Because because mm-hmm. I'm a huge production guy. Okay. So mm-hmm. like writing and recording music, I just I guess I tend to notice these things a little better. The timing was atrocious on that record. Mm-hmm. Floppy. It was super yeah. sloppy. Mm-hmm. Um, the drums mixed like horribly. Yeah, the drums mm-hmm. are the worst part of the album. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, the vocals were too low throughout the yeah, whole entire I album. Would, I would definitely agree with that. The lyrical content wasn't there, and the melodies <laughs> were just all over the place. Like th- they just weren't catchy. Mm-hmm. So how can you listen to a record if you don't remember anything you just listened to? Mm-hmm. So the the, mem- the memorability of the album was. There was no bangers. There. Yeah. No, no, there, there was no differentiation. It was just a sloppy mess throughout the whole album. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And I, and I feel like the guitar tone was probably the best highlighted part mm-hmm. of the album, just mm-hmm. because it was just that classic humbucker, Les Paul just threw an orange amp or Mesa Boogie. I don't remember what they were using, but um, I think that was what the album was going for. Was that tone? Mm-hmm. So. Um, their guitarist is amazing. Ultimately, mm-hmm. um, like so. <laughs> well, both of them. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, three in a row, guys. Number four. I brought you my bullets. You brought me your love. Um, I agree with a lot of the points that are being made. Um, however, I think it's a great album. Um, it is sloppy. The timing is atrocious. His vocals are so bad. Um, and yet, there's it's there's something, and maybe it's just because I love My Chemical Romance. Um, this is the album I listen to the least, for sure. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I like it. I think it's it's more it's the most hardcore of their albums. It is the most emo. Um, well, it's the the only emo album really. Um, um, <clears throat> let the record state that MCR's first album is emo. Yeah. Um, the song, just just sound wise, the song, um, um, is it Sunsets Over Monroeville? Early Sunsets Over Monroeville, um, just sounds like an emo song. It just does. Um, a couple things to to say. I mean, I think um. It's like right from the beginning, they have this theme of this, like with, with their lyrics especially, but these like kind of gothic type themes of talking about vampires and death and all this stuff. Um, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but um, so My Chemical Romance, Gerard Way started this band as um, partially as a way to deal with some trauma um, because he was. He was on a ferry on the Hudson River during 9-11, and he witnessed that. Um, and so a lot of 
that really dark content that comes out of their music, I think, is a direct, like, product of that. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so I think it makes sense a little bit that this first album is pretty sloppy. Um, a lot of the lyrics kind of don't make sense. Um, and there, there's a lot of, like, darkness there and a lot of just, like, lyrics that don't seem to really connect. Um, if you actually, I mean, so when I was listening to this album the second time, um, like for, for this purpose, I was, um, I would pull up the lyrics on my phone while I was listening to it and just kind of read along with it. Um, and some of them make sense. Some of them kind of allude to an idea, but don't ever really get there, I think. But yeah, I think it's sloppy. I do think that was kind of the scene, like you're talking about, um, new Tanner about, um, you know, in the, the 2002 era, like that was kind of a thing, but, um, it just, that particular part of it doesn't hold up. I don't think. Um, I think, like, I still appreciate it. I still think it's a good album, but the sloppiness is the like. I I listened to it again this morning. Um, it would be the third time, and I didn't get all the way through it because I was like, I just I don't want to listen to Gerard Way not knowing how to sing anymore. So. Do you know me by? Yep. Jono. Same album, number four. Four in a row. Brought you my bullets, you brought me your love. Um, yeah, like, when there was ten minutes left of the record, I was like, oh, thank God. Um, <laughs> honestly, I, I didn't think it was horrible. It was sloppy, like you guys were saying. Um, he didn't learn how to scream properly until later, I think, because I don't think the screams on that album were particularly good. Um, and they definitely weren't good on Honey, This Mirror Isn't Big Enough for the Two of Us. Um, that was a standout track in that respect. Um, although I do like the intro track on it, I thought it was a little more mature than some other albums that were coming out around the same time, and it was kind of cool for them to do that. Um, I did like this album more than I thought I would, though. I didn't think I was going to like it because I hadn't heard anything off it, hadn't heard a word about this album. I wasn't even sure if it existed until like two weeks ago. <laughs> so, a um, couple other highlights. I like the intro to Drowning Lessons. Um, use a lot of Mike kind of uses a lot of octave lines, draw lines in their songs. Like I'm not okay, sleep. This is how I disappear. This song. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of the thing they do. That's fun. Um, and um, I liked Headfirst for Halos. Um, and I I like that song because it shows they have a sense of space. Because a lot of their songs just sounded like a train wreck, like a train was just running through stuff over and over and over and over again. And this song actually had a sense of space and just seemed like they were trying to do something maybe slightly more epic than what they had been doing, or at least try to kind of just touch on that a little bit, um, which was cool. And the last song, Demolition Lovers, had this crazy solo at the end. It was decent, but there were definitely a couple notes that were not in the right key, in my opinion. So, All right. Yeah. Well, uh, my number three album is I Brought You My Bullets, You Brought Me Your Love. Um, I, so I, I recognize that it's sloppy, and it's messy, and it's chaotic, uh, but I also would like to say that it's <clears throat> passionate. It's raw um, and has a raw feeling. Um, I think that the guitar definitely is the high point as far as instrumentation goes. Um, 
and it's interesting. Uh, they brought in the guitarist. He brought in the guitarist because Gerard was like, yeah, I can't sing and play at the same time, so we need somebody else. That's why they brought in the guitarist at the beginning. <laughs> Thank God they brought in the guitarist because he's really good, but it was it was what Gerard was like, I can't do this. But uh, that being said, also from the band formation of the final lineup uh, to the release of this album was three months. So they they Gerard had done some songs and they'd done some uh, recordings in an attic where that went on to a demo that they had been like kind of passing around on MySpace, but they really hadn't done much together. Um, and it, they brought Eero in, uh, and it went two days later into the recording studio, and three months later it came out with an album. So this album is very much them finding their sound. This is very much them, and you can see it with what you guys described. They're finding their sound. They're feeling, uh, feeling it out. What What are we good at? What are we not good at? What? And but we're gonna record it all anyway and put it out there because they wanted something different and more honest than what was going on in the rock scene at the time. Uh, Gerard says that in a couple interviews. He was like, yeah, we wanted something different. Um, but like you were saying, uh, he was inspired to do My Chemical Romance because of the events that he witnessed. 9-11, um, basically he was like, uh, he went to school for art. He was going to, his main thing was comic books, mm -hmm. uh, which comes in later. Uh, but, <laughs> but he, he wanted to, he realized, I want to do something different. I want to, uh, if I can, I want to change the world. Because I, what we're doing right here, this isn't enough. There's, there, there has to be something more. And I think we all ask that question and answer that in our own ways at some point in our life. But uh, that was, this was his answer, was I need to do something. And he'd always been interested in music since like fourth grade. He knew he could sing. And uh, he was like, I'm going to start a band. And uh, so that's that's one. I think I think I, part of the reason this was number three instead of number four for me is I got more into the why of why it was like that and it made me like it more. Um, I also I I think that while lyrically the album some of the ideas weren't complete and it, I lyrically it's definitely very dark. Um, I think it's the most personal of the records as far as mm -hmm. lyrics go because he is mm -hmm. very much uh, from from what I understand this is basically all the songwriting is him uh, whereas in all the other albums is more collaborative um, but he it's it's very much just him trying to feel out these things um, and I'll get more into that later but uh, yeah I liked I think headed first for halos was my favorite song on this record um, but I kind of also what you guys are saying I don't think any songs really pop out here if you were to take the three best songs on this album it'd be kind of hard to decide what the three best songs are and then they're not even going to stack up in comparison to the top 10 or 15 songs on the other albums together so um, it does have that to it but it was my number three so yeah okay <clears throat> my number three and I'm bring on the sass I I don't know if this one is that that sassy, but I'm ready to have the garbage thrown at me. Oh no! <laughs> what did you do? Oh no! Oh. I know what's about to happen. Um, <laughs> Black Parade. Are you, yes! Are you somebody who's gonna have it ranked low? And I figured it'd probably be TK. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, I'm, 
I'm gonna go. <laughs> okay, dude, it's been so cool having you on the pod. Um, I knew so, it. So here is why. I'm keeping all the money we've earned from this so far. Seventy-one. Oh, oh, no, we're up to a dollar now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which is why my my chemical romance's drummer got fired, right? Embezzling. He took all the money. Oh, oh really? Is that true? Oh, I'm, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. He got fired two days before I saw them in concert. Ooh. 2010. That's so, insane. Who, who I did read that, that somewhere. Um, yeah, they basically like were like, we caught him stealing, and uh, yeah, we're parting yeah. ways. He's gone. I, I remember reading that now. Yeah, yep. two days before the concert. That sucks. Dang. But their filling was phenomenal. He was just as good. So who was he? The villain? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Probably just this. I don't know. Some random backup. Dude. Some random emo kid. The drum tech, probably. He's just looked at in the crowd. Possibly and like, the drum tech, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I remember when Black Parade... Oh! What? Isaac Parade? Oh, I didn't even see what you said. Never mind. Yeah. Um, so, what the hell was I saying? Okay. Uh, Black Parade. When it came out, I got AP Magazine. I read AP Magazine like religiously, and I had the issue with them on the cover because it was like, like the big album that came out that year, and I was reading it, and I was like, I was very much aware of my Chemical Romance, um, and I tapped into some childhood trauma that explains the reason why I'm a little bit like this with them. Mm. I figured it out, so I'll share that later. But, anyways, I was reading an article about this this uh, album and how it's so radically different from what they did before and how they had this stage persona and how they built theatrics into it and, and it felt very Bowie-esque. And I remember kind of reading that as like an eighth grader and just kind of hearing about like, the like because I think with me and I mean like you can argue that maybe this isn't super true or you know kind of point out like inconsistencies but I tend to really not like theatrics in music, and I tend to really like authenticity. Um, I think that My Chemical Romance, with the, every album, is a concept album. Um, and so there's, while there are glimpses of reality or where these things do tie into their personal stories, I, I think for me it's harder to relate to what they're saying um, and for me to apply it to what I'm going through currently. Maybe because I'm not that imaginative, but like, that that's just always been kind of like a weird sticking point with them where like I, I couldn't necessarily latch on and I, I've never ever liked David Bowie um so since like being a kid I was like I hate that guy so when <laughs> when AP com compared them to David Bowie I was like nope um but anyways I, I did listen to it a few years later my friend had um a uh he like burned me a copy of Black Parade and I remember listening to Dead and being like holy buckets like dude this is so good and then I, you know it's kind of funny because it goes into like the kind of glam rock um you know vein like you know showbread did that with cancer i you know it wasn't really for me like uh, and i it sounds like motley crew in areas it sounds like kind of guns and roses-esque uh there's maybe one pop punk song and and i would categorize my if you had to ask me like what kind of band my chemical romance is i'd say horror punk slash pop punk and there's really one uh like welcome to the black parade is like the only pop punk beat 
Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, it's very like '80s uh, beats. And, and again, like it's it's a great example of like if somebody was like, "What's a more modern rock and roll album?" Like the Black Parade is an incredible example of like an amazing rock and roll album. For me, it just it it just didn't stick. I think there's a few songs on there that I would revisit. I would if I had it on vinyl, I probably wouldn't spin it that much. Um, so yeah. No, no garbage has been thrown at me. I actually don't have any questions about what you said about the Black Parade. Um, I've never heard of their first two albums be been referred to as concept albums. Yeah, we'll get into that during Love Tips. We had a person write into the show. I, I did read that all four were concept albums. Yeah. Yeah. But then when I went back to try to find that, I couldn't find it anywhere. I know that definitely the last two were concept albums. The last two albums, definitely are. But I had, so I had a hard time. One thing that I did, that I think that I was thinking of is I I know that hardcore fans consider number one as a concept album whereas I'm pretty sure I saw something from Gerard that said it's not so maybe we'll, maybe I'm off we'll on get that. into it all right we'll get into it here sweet guest Tanner yeah <clears throat> so number three for me would be danger days um, I I personally think that there was a few bangers on this album, but it's also all over the place. And I know I know I made fun of their first album for being one continuous sloppy mess, but at least there was some continuity within the whole album itself. I really appreciate that. I appreciate when you start to intentionally put in elements into every song in the album, but I felt like Danger Days was a little bit too all over the place. It would, it would be one thing, and then it would be another thing, and then it would just kind of hit out of nowhere, which is fine, which is fine. I just don't necessarily like that as much. What I did really appreciate about it is it was mixed super well. You can play that full blast, and it just sounds amazing. Um, I think it's cool that they reached a point in their angstiness to where the angst was gone. <laughs> We're pouring whiskey. Keep going. You're good. You're good. <laughs> um, We're weird. Yeah. I think they started out super angsty, but I think what it is, and I was going to talk about this a little bit more in their second album, but um, I think they're more rock and roll than they are emo. Oh, yeah. And I, I think, yeah. I just want to state that. I think... You may throw some garbage at me. Mm-hmm. No. But I think what emo is, is it's is it's the outcasts of rock and roll is what it is. It's the sad kids who want to be rock and roll, and they're trying to make it to the top. And so I think My Chemical Romance was seeking to be the kings of the emo, but they didn't know it. They were just emo kids that were trying to be rock and roll. They eventually became super rock and roll. They became huge to the point where danger days was them being able to do whatever they wanted they were no longer doing it for a cause they were doing it for fun and they just had a lot of fun through it and that's why there's so much diversity and it's all over the place um i i think it's fine i think nothing nothing really grabs me like it does in the other albums they're not specifically my chemical romance i think it was a way for them to be able to just be individualistic through the band do whatever they want because you know they have the audience they have the money they have 
everything that they would possibly want as the band. So they're just able to tackle self-expression and get away with it. I think we see a lot of bands do that when they get a bad rep for not sticking with their continuity throughout the band. But you have to appreciate in some sense them just wanting to go out and do their thing and do whatever they want, be creative with it. So I've got a different take on that kind of idea when we talked about mm-hmm. that. But sweet. Yeah. yeah, so I think I saw something similar, yeah. Yeah, so I I think they had a lot of fun with it. And I think it's you start to see where they're at now, twenty twenty one, where each of their individual personalities are at. I think they were able to kinda let those things come out through the album. Mm-hmm. They were no, no longer trying to pursue like being the cool kids anymore, because I think that's how they started out. <laughs> I think they were having to prove that and like overcome that. I think they did that in the second album. Um, but um, I love the way that you described like what emo is though, because like when it's like emo is like an offshoot of hardcore, yeah. And in like the hardcore community, when emo like started becoming a thing. Like, they didn't call it emo, but people started calling it, like, so Thrasher Magazine coined the term emo, and they called, um, Rites of, it was either Rites of Spring or Minor Threat, emotive hardcore, and then they shortened it to emo, and they, like, the hardcore community started using that as, like, a gay slur, because they saw it as, like, more feminine, because if you're emotional and you're in hardcore, those two things don't mix. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're reflective and pensive and, uh, you know, like, hardcore is basically angry like you listen to black flag and you're like you guys are really angry um so for rites of spring to come in and then fugazi to come in and write really reflective like densely emotional music um basically everybody was kind of like you guys are girls um so yeah it's like hard you know those kids trying to prove like no no we can do this like we are rock and roll so that was awesome yeah yeah i I think in this album they brought the energy in a totally different kind of way I think when the album came out, I wasn't expected for I wasn't expecting the energy they brought. It was just different. It was just like so much energy and a very different than Michael McRoney's way. It wasn't there was zero angst in it. It was just mm-hmm. very different. I don't think that was a bad thing. I didn't get into the album super, like a ton, you know, compared to the al- other albums. My number two and number one, but I think I think there's a lot of things to appreciate on it. But there's also a lot of things on it where I I, I just kind of have to skip the song. So. Yeah, no. Tanner, I think we're going to have the same lineup, brother. I think so, too. I, I, think, I, I, think, <laughs> I think all three of us, four of us, all four of us might have the same lineup. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Danger Days just, like, didn't cut it for me. Like, it was a toss-up between that and their first record that they put out. Just, just because for a rock and roll album, it wasn't... I think they were just trying to be progressive, but they were too progressive for the name of their band, if that makes sense. Like, they're adding a bunch of electronic stuff, a lot of synthy stuff. They weren't that rock and roll band that we know and love. So actually, a note to that: they brought on a uh, tra- or a contract keyboardist uh, for their uh, for their shows because they they needed somebody for. And what band was he a part of for decades? The Get Up Kids. I, I One of my favorite bands ever. I, yeah. Tanner, will, Tanner will help you with those things. James <laughs> Dewey's. I really wish you'd left that on the wall because then he could have seen it. <laughs> yeah, and like, I, I saw like some resemblance when Blink-182 came out with um, Neighborhoods. 
you know, like they started doing that same thing, but the differences between like, that was one of my favorite Blink records, which is very- That is my literal favorite. It, it's, it's great because they, they went more poppy and electronic instead of with this record with My Chemical Romance, they went kind of the opposite direction of like, all right, let's, let's take these elements of pop and el- electronic music and let's make it our own thing, which I just didn't feel like they connected real well, if that makes sense. So like, I would have liked it to see like if they were gonna do that, it'd be more poppy, but I felt like it wasn't. Mm. So I, I feel, that's why I put it number three. Mm. All right. Mm. Sorry, you gotta share. I gotta share something. Do it before you move on. Yeah. Six hours ago, I found out that Gerard Way is cousins with Joe, with Rogan. Joe Rogan. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> he announced it. He he announced it in a in an interview at some point in 2019. Joe Rogan confirmed it on his podcast. Uh, <laughs> but then he was like, "Yeah, but we never met." <laughs> oh. <laughs> was it like second cousins or something? Yeah, they're second cousins. That's okay. so funny. That's crazy. Wow. That's hilarious. <laughs> Why hasn't he been on the podcast? On Joe's podcast. I don't know. I don't know. Because he's. Maybe yeah. they don't do my chemical romance anymore, probably. They got back together. Yeah, they got back together. They're what putting out new stuff. Are they literally they're putting out new stuff? That's confirmed? Wait, is like, that? Yeah, they, they already confirmed? did. Danger Dicks. Yeah, like, no. Danger Dicks came out like a year ago. Like a ago, dude. No, um, like, they, like, look at their Instagram and their YouTube page. Oh yeah, yeah. but that they haven't done anything. I mean, granted, yes, the pandemic, but they haven't put anything out. Yeah, they were going to. They were going to play shows across the country, across the country, and the world. Yeah, and they got they canceled it all. Right, COVID. I knew that they were doing the tour. You could buy. They were going to release new music. You could buy new buy tickets in twenty twenty one now. Right, I believe that they are gearing up for something new. That's what I've been. Interesting. Yeah, they've been touring, haven't they? You almost said they were were going to. Yeah. The way that they started their first show back in years is they played I'm Not Okay and they started with that intro. The like, do you like D&D? It was so cool. <laughs> I loved it. Um, well, that, I mean, cool. If that's true. I knew that they were touring. I didn't know that they were Ooh, that actually going to new music. Yeah. I, I got thrown up um, to the front of the crowd and I was two feet away from Jordan Way. During that show? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I also got hit in the face with Travis Barker's drumstick. Whoa. Whoa. Why was Travis... They opened for Blink. Wow. (laughs) 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 Why wasn't I there? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, was it Skiba or DeLong? DeLong. DeLong. (laughs) It was their first show on their reunion tour in 2010. Whoa. Whoa. Travis Barker's drumstick. Drum set went over the crowd because I lifted it up on this huge arm and it went out over the crowd and so he was above me. Oh. <laughs> he dropped a drumstick and hit me in the face when I was looking down and then a pile of people jumped on it. Dang. And you're like the the most prolific drummer in the last decade just dropped a stick on me. On my face. And now you can <laughs> drum. I am <laughs> a drummer. I, I, I actually grew up drumming from my my brother, high school brother's band, right? They had the drum set yeah. in the garage the whole time. I, I don't know why he did this, because any 17, 18 year old drummer playing Blink and Sun 41 and stuff, 
shouldn't like kids that much, but I was like five and he was like teaching me how to drum. That's awesome. That's nice. so cool. And so yeah, I grew up playing all of these things. Do you still drum? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, I don't have any, any drums with me because I'm in an apartment, but. Right, right, and everyone would hate you. Yeah. I was, I was eight when I started playing for my church every Sunday. That's, That's so cool. cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Dude. I love a good drummer because I, I mm-hmm. sat, I've sat behind the drum kit a bunch of times and I've tried and I just can't. I can plink I on the keys, I can play guitar, I can sing, I cannot do a dang thing on the drums. <laughs> <laughs> the drums are the reason why I got into emo music or like just like hardcore stuff, just because everything was too easy. So mm-hmm. I just yeah. had to progressively work my way up. There you go. But, uh, sorry. Still no, that's sorry. okay. No, that's cool. Okay. Um, I, I drummed like 10 years ago, but I haven't since then. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I was... I drummed just for okay. Camp a song time. Yeah. <laughs> and then I well, was asked to never do it again. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I have good rhythm. I just never got very good at the drums, so now I play bass. <laughs> um, <And> okay. <laughs> There's a joke there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> My number three My Chemical Romance album is also Danger Days, The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys, but for very different reasons. Um, Can you tell us? I should stop, I? Stop stalling. So, um, it's, I, tell us, so this, this ranking is like, like many of the bands that we rank. Um, it's not that like, like the one at the bottom of my list is terrible. Like I like all these albums. Um, I, I feel like this is an unpopular opinion, but I love Danger Days. I think it's a great album. Um, I think they do, as we've talked about, obviously they do something really new with this like electro pop. Um, electronic like punk kind of sound Um, and I think it's very intentional not just like it's easy to look at it from the you know um, them coming out of this kind of really dark place into this you know I guess more lighthearted content but and like you know taking that like that evolution of not trying to be the cool kids anymore and just doing and having fun. I like that you mentioned that because I have that written down too. I think that this album very clearly, you can tell like they're having a ton of fun. Um, and um, yeah, I think part of the reason why it's so, so different is because um, it is, it is as TK is going to eventually explain how all four of their albums are, but definitely their last two are both concept albums. This one, I think, the most so. Um, and I think the reason why it's so different sounding and why there's it's also so like um, all over the place, kind of, genre-wise, is because it is a concept album based on a futuristic, post-apocalyptic California. Um, and so it's it's each band member kind of plays this character um, of this group that is living in this post-apocalyptic California, like futuristic laser guns, cars, desert, um, like this like post-apocalyptic punk California scene. Um, and um, if you watch the, the music videos for Na 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 and Sing, those kind of tell the story, ultimately like the main story of the album. And then Gerard Way, who we've alluded to already is now it's a comic book artist or he writes comic books not sorry he's not an artist he writes the comic books um and he actually 
before this album ever came out, he announced what they were doing for the album as a concept, and then that he would continue the story in a comic series. Um, and so I think that, I don't think that this album, yes, it's released under the name My Chemical Romance, yes, it's that band playing the music, and you can tell because musically it's a fantastic album, um, but I don't think that the goal for this album was to continue the 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 legacy of what My Chemical Romance had been doing as a band. I think it was to just be this concept of this comic book story. Um, and yeah, I think that like this is where you really start to see the DNA of Gerard Way's comic book style. And I'm not that I'm not really into comic books, but um, I actually after listening to this album again and watching the music videos. I ordered the, the this comic book series on Amazon the other day, nice. um, so I'm gonna check that out next week. But what I am a big fan of is there's a show on Netflix called The Umbrella Academy, and that is based on a whole comic book series that Gerard Way created and wrote. Yeah. Um, and then he wrote a character that's in um, Spider-Man into the Spider Verse. Right. Mm. Yep. And then he he writes a ton of like DC's Doom Patrol comics. Um, and so he's he's kind of in that like weird like band of misfits sort of style, and I think that that comes through with this album. Um, you know, you've got the like radio DJ like this like pirate radio DJ guy on the album who's you know kind of narrating part of the album. Mm -hmm. I will say the song where Doctor Death defying the radio DJ says mm -hmm. goodbye, and then they make you listen to the entire freaking national anthem. Pisses me off every time. <laughs> and then he's doing like crazy static. It's yeah. super loud. <laughs> that was I'm like, awesome. why am I sitting here listening that to happened, this right now? That happened today, and I was like, what is going on? <laughs> I was like, did did uh, did Amazon Music decide to start playing random other songs? <laughs> um, I'm not gonna lie. I heard that intro and was instantly like, oh. <laughs> well, and I and I think I think part of it too is that you have to. I can understand that, like. But if you go into this album like with the expectation of I'm listening to a concept album that is going to tell me the story of a comic book, like it, right? It makes a lot more sense. But it felt like when Travi opened up high high on, uh, uh, what's that Fall Out Boy album? Infinity on High. Infinity on High. When he's like, this is for the outcasts, the kids that everyone. Oh, yeah. spitballs at FOB and then it like goes you know like I, it felt uh, like that it's a little heavy handed yeah I disagree um, well would you say that this is arbitrary yeah I okay. would um, right. we can check that off the list <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so I, I'm a big fan of you know film and like you know, TV series and stuff like that, and so I think that um, I think that what Gerard Way was trying to accomplish with that with this album, I really appreciate, and I I like the world that he's created. And I think that's part of why the album feels like it's all over the place and not less consistent, like genre-wise, than their other albums, because I think that he's trying to piece together different elements of a world that he's built in his mind. He um, already had started writing comic books by the time this yeah, album was out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's basically so, what he went to school for. Yeah, like, and so even even you know we talked about becoming serious about it during this album. Yeah, right. Well, that's what we talk about him 
like witnessing 9-11, mm-hmm. at the time, he was an intern at Cartoon Network. Um, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why he was there. That's that. why he was yeah. in New York, yeah. Um, and so, I... That being said, I, I, I appreciate this more with the concept of it um, and the world that Gerard is building in it, but I also do really like it musically. Um, yes, it's a little bit all over the place, but I think that most of what they do on that album, they do really well. Um, by this point, especially, they're all extremely talented musicians, um, and I think that it's, like, production-wise, a super solid album. Um, Scarecrow is the the one that I'll call out um, is one of my favorite songs of all time. Mm-hmm. I love that song. Um, I think it's like this really cool, almost like almost like seventies psychedelic rock sound. Um, when they go into the bridge part, that like breakdown, where you get the like acoustic strumming a little bit mixed in there, like it reminds me of the Rolling Stones. Um, and I, I just think it's a super cool song. So I'll second that on Scarecrow. Such a good song. Um, but same for me number three it's Danger Days um, I think it's just because I when I listen to it after listening to the other ones I, and I heard a couple songs from it but listening to the album as a whole is a little bit different story it was just so different and I actually almost moved it to number two after listening to it the second time today I did not mm-hmm. um, but I did like it a lot more after listening to it another time um, I love Scarecrow. I like Destroya because mm-hmm. it's definitely more on the harder rock side, so it sounds a lot more like something that would be on Black Parade. Um, so it wasn't quite as different as some of the other songs on there. Um, I like the bulletproof chorus melody. I love chorus melody. I love guitar hooks. Those are my two things. So if the song has both of those, it's great. So bulletproof for chorus melody was awesome. Um, sing gets in my head whenever I listen to it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it just takes a shift in your mind to listen to it because it's so different. But I think if you accept the fact that it's going to be super different from the rest of their stuff, it's you walk away thinking that it's, it's pretty decent. Like it's good. I don't think it's a bad album at all. It it was. I mean, they took a lot of time putting this together. It's obvious, and they really stepped out and tried to be creative and added a keyboardist for the live portion like we mentioned and just did a lot of cool things that they wanted that I think they wanted to do for a while but didn't maybe didn't feel like they could or maybe they felt like they hadn't finished off what they wanted to before so this was kind of the album that they stepped back and were like okay let's make something different let's just be as creative as possible and see what comes out and this is what came out and I mean I like it. I'll listen to it again. Uh, yeah. So. Um, I forgot to mention one thing that I thought TK might find interesting. I was watching the music videos for Not Enough and Sing, because that's where you get all the story ultimately for mm-hmm. what's happening. And all I could think, like, with the their, like, style, like, fashion-wise in those music videos and, like, the world that they built reminded me of if, like, Family Force 5 survived the apocalypse. Yes! <laughs> that is exactly what I was thinking. I was sitting here thinking, like, oh, I forgot to mention that this album reminds me of Dance or Die. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I literally was thinking the same thing when I came here. I was thinking there are songs on this album that remind me of Family Force 5. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Totally. Ah. So good. And they're, like, using the, the painted, like, 
Nintendo Entertainment System guns from like Duck Hunt mm-hmm. in the <laughs> yeah. videos. Like, oh man, dude, I, that's so cool. hardcore dancer die. So cool. Um, so really quick, we did have somebody write into the pod finally, um, and just kind of inquire about a love tip from Jonathan. Every once in a while, we have Jonathan kind of spin us some love tips. He's a very <laughs> successful lover. We have a lot to learn from him. Um, and that person is actually me right now. Mm. So Jonathan. <laughs> crazy situation that I'm in right now um, with okay. this girl that I love. Um, sure, <laughs> sure. The weirdest thing, so uh, we're both c- criminals. Criminals? Okay, mm. so we're both criminals. It's the kind of thing where, like, you know, we were running from the law. Okay. We get kind of cornered. Uh, okay. Right, we get cornered um, in the kind of like the countryside. The cops are like in a lock and load, like lock and load, hallelujah. And... You know, we can we can go out in a storm of bullets okay. from the pegs, or <laughs> you know, we can just load a gun and stick it to our temples and you know take care of things ourselves. Oh dear. So are those we, the we two did. Options? Yeah, right. So those are the only two options. Okay. So so we did we did take care of things ourselves. <laughs> Unfortunately, she didn't quite pass over to the other side. Okay. I did. Um, so I, uh, was chilling in hell because I was a criminal and unfortunately, well, I guess maybe fortunately, and I was just talking to Satan, kind of like in between torture shifts. As you would. As you would. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I, you know, I, I really miss my girl. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I have this revolver here. If you take this and claim the souls of 1,000 corrupt men. <laughs> is this if you take the if you take this revolver and claim the souls of a thousand corrupt men, uh-huh. uh, I might let you see her again. Okay. So I guess my my question or the love tip that I'm looking for is, uh-huh. what do I do? I feel like this is a reference to something that I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I just tied in the the first two concept. albums are a concept album that are one. That is the concept oh. of the concept albums. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. So. Right. They connect. Okay. So what? What would you still want? As far as I know. Do you, do you still want to know what I would do? Yeah. So, let me get this straight. You have to go out with one revolver, and kill a thousand people. Corrupt man. I mean, like I could stand outside a movie theater, and just kill everybody that comes out of the latest Vince Vaughn movie. Just. Okay. I mean, sure. That's. Or or just not do it and never see bad people. Just not do it, never see her again. Well, I mean, she's hot. Is she still hot after you shot? She shot half her brains out. Like, is she still attractive? Do you know? Because that's key here. Yeah, that's true. No, you might want to. I would. Let's, let's I would suggest finding that out first. <laughs> <laughs> but I just remember that time she broke her foot from jumping out the second floor, and the pictures that her boyfriend took, and. Oh, like I guess what I'm just trying to say is I'm not okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you promise that you're not okay? Because I'll help you if you promise. Look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are you okay, okay. now? Are you? Are, are you <laughs> so, I'm like. Tanner's confused. Would you say that you're not okay now, or like you've gotten better? Because I feel like you've I feel like you've kind of recovered. Like your heart has healed, it's it's almost like like you've got a bulletproof heart. 
<laughs> well, can I be honest? <laughs> please, please do. Yeah. Yeah. So. What happens if you get caught? Uh, all these men. He'll just go back to hell, probably. Yeah, somebody would be like, gotcha, and you'd be like, ah. To, for the listeners, you I just, just you just sink into the. Floor. I just made a hand motion. Stay on, on Earth. Right. Yeah. It's good. Okay. You so know what they know what, you know. What so what do. should you do? Well, I, again, I yeah. would suggest yeah, getting someone to visit your girl to see if she's still attractive, <laughs> and then make sure that you can get enough ammo for the revolver because ammo is really short these days. I have another question. <laughs> so we gotta have some logistics first. Right. I, I right. have another question. Yeah. Do you love her like you did yesterday? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. I mean, there was a time when you know even the smallest starfall would make her cry. Hmm. What, what if she had cancer right now? Would you still go back to her? Or I would shot half her face off, and she has cancer. I mean, yeah, like we we did those crimes together. Bonded. <laughs> okay. But is she going to be real and you're going to be a spirit? Or she, is she going to love the ghost of you? We're doing really good at this. 